Welcome to Respond to Resilience, along with my co-host, Bonnie Rumley, LCSW EMTB. I'm David Dashinger. As first responders and especially firefighters, optimal fitness is vital, not just for serving the public, but to have the backs of our brother and sister firefighters and to be healthy and resilient for our families. In this episode, we'll be speaking with wellness coordinator and exercise physiologist, Sarah Beckert, a first responder health and wellness about personalized programs that help firefighters obtain optimal health and wellness. Catch all our episodes by liking and subscribing on YouTube, Respond to Resilience channel. We're on Facebook, Respond to Wellness Inc., bbsradio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website with all our past episodes is respondertv.com. We'll be right back to speak with Sarah after this. In this family, more of us die by our own hands than by the hazards of the job. In this family, up to a quarter of 911 dispatchers have symptoms of PTSD. In this family, our mental health and wellness are in crisis while responders are quietly suffering. In this family, many struggle with job-related stress, burnout, trauma, sleep disruption, substance abuse, and marriage problems. In this family, we can help the helpers with vital information and resources, resilient strategies, and success stories of overcoming the obstacles. In this family, no one is alone. Welcome to Respond to Resilience with co-hosts, retired Lieutenant David Dashinger, Dr. Stacy Raymond, and Bonnie Rumley, LCSW EMTB. We are excited to welcome Sarah Becker to Respond to Resilience. Uh, Sarah offers exercise therapy for special populations, developing work hardening programs for fire departments. She does some rehab in cardiac, pulmonary, and post-rehab patients, and she works with several fire departments in Connecticut, uh, especially in Fairfield County and in uh, Westchester County as well, right? Mm-hmm. And Massachusetts. And Massachusetts. <laughs> so she's all over uh, the tri-state area. Uh, Sarah also works with athletes post-injury and develops programs to help get them back to original physical levels. She has a master's degree in human performance, also applied physiology, and Sarah is a National Fire Academy instructor. Welcome to Respond to Resilience, Sarah. Thank you. Welcome, Sarah. It's nice to see you again. Thank you. You too. Thanks. So for our audience, could you explain what an exercise physiologist is, please? Absolutely. So we're more than a personal trainer because I, I usually that's the most normal question. What's the difference between a trainer? And, um, right. So typically you would find a physiologist in a hospital setting, um, cardiac rehab or pulmonary rehab. If God forbid somebody had a major heart attack or stroke or even lung transplants, everything down the spectrum from heart and lungs, you would tend to see us. Um, We would be helping you get back to um, your original strength. You would also see us doing those stress tests. Hmm. Um, Also, you would find us, um, so after physical therapy is over, what's happening now in healthcare, insurance kind of ends, but then now they allow something called like a phase three or phase four program where insurance covers half of our services. So we're in between, we're the gateway back to full health from therapy to, uh, I guess, regular stuff, activities, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) That's good, I like it. Um, Why don't you ask part B of that, because I know we want to find out how she um, 
got involved yeah. with the firefighter community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm really curious what led you to become a physiologist and also working with firefighters. So um, I, I played rugby in college and I had a really bad break, so much so that um, they, it kept getting infected. I had a few surgeries, so I have two plates and some screws in there. And then it didn't catch, long story short, they took bone from my hip and then I dislocated it. So it was a good two years of being in wheelchairs. It was a really bad break and I didn't take care of myself. I kept playing and re-breaking. And then um, finally my doctor said, if you don't stop exercising, you can lose part of your arm, like just the the range of motion because I Mm -hmm. wasn't resting. And I just started, I graduated my undergraduate degree and just kept, I lived in the gym because there, I did have, there was about, I would say about a month where I could not use my arm at all. It was the scariest thing I've ever felt. It was like, I could, I felt like I was moving in. It was there. It was just dead weight. It was awful. Um, so that scared me enough just to work out all the time. And then somebody asked if I wanted to be a trainer. I was like, sure, I'm here anyway. And then I knew I always wanted a master's degree. And I just started taking classes that I loved. And I was working um, for Bridgeport Hospital in Connecticut, which I love. And I met a gentleman named Peter Rene, who is um, who took me under his wing. And he taught me a bunch. I was very lucky to be there, the right place mm-hmm. at the right time. And he just said, We're, and this is in 2001, um, he said, we're going into fire departments and we need help. Would you be willing? Cause it is special populations. And I was like, sure. <laughs> I really didn't have any thought to it. And then it just, I was there for a long time and I loved it because there were a group of people who I didn't have to be anything else than myself. You know, they were very, they were fun to be around. I had gone through a pretty tumultuous time in my life at that point. And they just were really loving and caring and, and just really helped me through it. And then I just kept doing it. I actually left for a little bit to get my master's and work in the hospitals for about eight years. Mm-hmm. And then one department reached out and was like, can you come back? And then after that, I never looked back. It was great. Yeah, it sounds like you're on a roll with uh, the number of departments that are uh, seeking your services. So let's I'm talk about to it. <laughs> I got to stop. I'm, I have no life. All I do is work. <laughs> well, um, we're glad that you're doing it. I'm sure they are, too. So tell us a little bit about the specific programs that you bring to those departments and like, how do you prepare for them? And what are some of the benefits you've seen in the firefighters that implement your programs? So I think the... The experience that I had, I was very, again, lucky to be in the right place in the right time. I was around cardiac rehab during 9-11 and saw many people who were not just firefighters, but who were who worked when I was at Stanford Hospital at that time. They were actually working in the Twin Towers. So mm-hmm. being able to learn about the World Trade Center study, and then I ended up going back to Columbia for my second um degree and just learning all about that. I know you asked me one question. I'm sorry, I'm going all over. (laughs) Um, And so I learned that there, the multi-component approach to health and wellness um, in cardiac rehab is what I kind of use in the fire service. So it's not just fitness. And because they came to us, the, the, the trauma that those people experienced, I mean, I would leave crying. I don't, I don't have, I don't know how you know, it was, it was all, I mean, it was terrible to just try to hold it together. And, um, and I think that compassion 
that I've seen fire first responders have like literally telling me stories how they walked over firefighters going in and it just it was so I think that amount of this is real shit excuse my French like I went through like I was saying some stuff and seeing that and so being able to come up to a fire department and say we're just going to do all the fitness they don't care that's not their role that's not their bag <laughs> you know i've learned that um you just by talking to each individual by being able to listen to the person in front of me hearing what they're saying not talking at them hmm. i can i literally have every degree i have all the certifications i have to let some of them go i have to update them but <laughs> but <laughs> and it doesn't matter where i've come from sometimes they just know better okay fine you know and as a researcher which i i strive to be being able to say, look, you know, I'm not trying to do your job or pretend I know what you're going through, but this is, this is my experience personally. This is what I've learned and being able to put something together so that you have a program that you're happy with. That is the Norwalk fire health and wellness part, you know, fitness program, whether it's the Westport fire, Danbury fire, this is your program. So what do you want that to look like? Because there are, and I'm sorry, if I need to stop talking, please, I can go on and on. Um, are a lot of large companies out there telling departments what they need instead of mm-hmm. listening to what they need because there are many components of health and wellness the fire service does need but they may not be ready for just like in therapy i mean you can come at it you know at one approach doesn't mean they're ready to you know dig deep So this is something I'm curious about, um, and you can talk in general terms if you don't want to get too specific. But like, how would a program, <laughs> how would a program that you um, developed for a Danbury look different from a Norwalk or a Wilton or a Westport? Well, I come at it from the same. It, it depends on the hours too. So like, you have a Wilton who they are, they they were my I shouldn't say my favorite because I mean they're all my favorite, but the Wilton guys were like, let's do everything, everything you have, we're doing it. Like they, and I had like 90% participation day one. And it was fun. Cause I got to, I have fun machines that different departments have bought for me and stuff. But then if you have a larger department who's busier, um, they'll still have the same components, but how I base it, I don't say, well, you have to have, if they only have four hours, they want me to come in a week. I'm going to give them everything I have, but it's going to, they're going to get there. It's just going to take us slower because they only have four hours to dedicate to it. And that's okay. That doesn't mean they're, they're going to be better or less off. It's just, well, how do we work this time? Does that make sense? I would think it does make sense. I would think Sarah, that from the perspective of the municipalities and the departments, um, just the cost of firefighter injury and illness mm. alone, the claims for workman's comp, um, you would think that that's something they'd probably like to reduce. So yes. what yes. do you see are some of the benefits? <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't everybody like that? That It's mm. all about money at the end of the day for, yes. for them. But and that, yeah, what, are, broke too. Yeah. what do you think are some of those benefits to the departments that you've seen through your work in, well, in, that, in those specific sorry. areas of injury prevention and the 
Wellness Fitness Initiative, so IAFF and the IAFC. Firefighters love your abbreviations. I have one too. <laughs> that way I feel cool. <laughs> um, I have one too. Um, they have created a study that they did all the work for me. And I um, there's a woman named Dr. Denise Smith and um, Dr. Brown from Illinois. They did a study in the 90s. And they have been looking at firefighter health forever. And they found, and they've done all the work for you. So if anyone's listening and they want to learn how to go to the W, it's all free. All the stuff that IFF, IFC, I think, you know, to get peer fitness trained, you have to pay money. But that website is where I started. I'm like, well, what's going on here? And so they found, and they put even out the numbers for services. So, I mean, I have in one of my departments, we saved over $500,000 in a quarter. We had no injuries. I, was it because, yeah. and you can look at, and so, and the danger of looking at that as a whole different conversation, but yes, you can present to the, the city tax officer or the, um, I can't, the risk profile manager mm -hmm. and say, this is how much money we saved, but they're going to analyze the crap out of that number. But you can tell the, we, what I'm learning too, is you have to be careful how you say that information, but it's not as easy as if you work out with me this year, you're going to have zero dollars and zero injury. It's not as black and white. Mm -hmm. And being able to have, like I've created risk stratification profiles that are just super easy. Okay, you know, we're going to save you X amount of dollars, um, you know, this quarter and then use that. And then when we talk more about stipends and see if I can use that money to give back, et cetera. Right. So you have an incentive piece as mm -hmm. well, which we can, um, we can come back to that for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about something that um, it's always been like a concept that I've had about firefighters. Um, I had it, you know, as a volunteer, I had it as a career firefighter. And that is, I think of us as elite athletes, but with no parallel in the, in the world of sports. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you could be in a dead sleep at two o'clock in the morning, the tones go off and you are now you know, basically jumping into your gear, responding to a call, and probably, mm. you know, if it's a fire call, um, you are now doing something extremely stressful and strenuous yeah. where not only are you working hard, but you're in a thermal envelope, um, yes. core temperature, and your heart rate mm -hmm. is, um, you know, probably above what's considered to be healthy. Um, and the stress in all that 80 pounds of, you know, gear and tools. Um, so, what can we do to like maintain um, optimal physical wellness to be able to do those kind of calls? So that's a great way of saying it. I would really love um, a study to do in Connecticut. Um, I've been looking at Fitbit and Whoop to see if they would do the funding to mm -hmm. throw on to firefighters. Um, so that's such a great point. And I think the cognitive behavioral piece, I'll definitely leave to you guys, you, prof <laughs> you professional, um, but there's a huge, because I was at one point analyzing, well, who's attracted? What kind of person wants to be a firefighter? You know, and there's a, what I learned, again, not being a doctor or psychiatrist, but I've learned that there's the depressive type. There's the guy who wants the, the man or woman who wants um, the rush. There's the generational one, the legacies. Like there's all these different types that have been looked at. Mm -hmm. And if you play football, for example, you don't get, that's not who you find on the football team. And the youngest football player isn't 75, like in some of my departments, <laughs> there isn't a 75 uh, quarterback, right? 70. So I think some 
the, the word also tactical athlete is a little, it drives me nuts because firefighters, and like I was saying earlier, tactical athlete assumes that there's somebody better than or worse than. Like tactical mm-hmm. athlete assumes that people want to, you know, there's so much heaviness that goes into that. And I know what I've learned in fire departments, they just want to put labels on things to help them look shiny. And it's such a detriment when you say you're, you know, a tactical athlete. These are men and women who really want to work their butts off and who no matter what, and they'll, in a group of people, they'll hate when I say it, they love what they do and they want to help you. And they will always, I know I'm teaching to the choir, but um, they will, they always want to put everybody else first. And I'm, I know you asked about thermoregulation. I'm sorry. I <laughs> no, this is good stuff too. So yeah, keep going where you're going. Okay, it's all good. Sarah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so the, being so that type of personality to explain to them what thermoregulation is the three of us could have a really cool conversation about that but by telling a gentleman who is a little bit overweight and i'm talking about somebody who has you know a history health history who is who has kids at home that need a lot of help um who is the has the biggest heart on the planet will literally do anything for everybody else but himself he doesn't care if he's a tactical athlete and then you have the 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 man or woman who runs marathons literally every weekend, who just loves what they do. Why can't they have the same program, you know, and thermoregulation, the heat, your cardiac strain doesn't give a shit if you're a football player, if you're 75, you know, but so by introducing um, the, or reeducating it's education, what is cardiac strain and why should you give it, you know, why should you care? Um, Some departments I work with allow me to do annual classroom sessions, like in the summertime when it's too hot to train outside, they'll make them have to come in. And I love that. You have to listen to me. (laughs) Um, And then I can talk to them about boring stuff, but I try to make it fun. You know, what cardiac strain is and why they should care. I unloaded 32 years of emotion. This job isn't a joke and it can hurt you. How does yoga or meditation help with that? Coming to terms with who you are. You know, nobody calls us because they're having a good day. It's really the suicide that becomes a huge issue. People are more trustworthy with the dog. Sleep deprivation helps them either be better or worse. Completely secretive when we started this. So it's pretty much taboo. Take care of the people next to you first responders really being open about what they're struggling with. If we know that, let's raise awareness. Brings you together to talk about it, and it tells you you're not alone. It seems to me all of this could be applied to police and EMS as well. I mean, the, the amount of lifting and moving and the cortisol spike that goes on with the same calls in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that officers' belts are, I think, 40 pounds, you know, and they wear them their entire shift. So what you're saying is great. I think it could be applied across the board. And I hope mm-hmm. that in the future we have a lot more Sarah Beckerts around helping every department and thinking about all of these things and, and how to incorporate fitness into people's regular day so that it's built in. And you touched on that before with the departments. You know, they're giving you a chunk of time. I, I mean, it's just such a no-brainer mm-hmm. right you're not asking yeah. them to do something outside you're asking them to use their time with you right and it can be anything from playing dodgeball to playing knockout to which is a basketball game or we can do nutrition talks or I'll teach them yoga or um, 
you know, there's a gamut that we can do in that time. For Great. sure. Well, being that I'm a therapist, I'm curious about your perspective on some of the things that we work a lot with, with first responders. So depression, anxiety, PTSI. I'm wondering if you could share your observations over the years with working with firefighters who you know are struggling mentally and physically and, and what you've gleaned from that. That's a great question. Um, I also have a diagnosis of PTS and um, uh, or PTSD, but that was in the late 90s. I don't know if that would, I'd be curious to see if that would shift. But um, and by coming at that from that angle with them, I've learned a lot more about how there's more stress and tension than they like to talk about and having peer support. You know, my, my, I would love to have therapists on hand all the time, you know, and um, I, the Fairfield County trauma network to give you guys a plug, you know, have really stepped up the game and um, are there. And I think we've done a lot of hard work, especially with Norwalk fire, for example, they're, you know, there's a great bunch of men and women there who really want it. And when you guys come at like, you know, the drop of a hat, they're very lucky. Um, so I try to hit it through, like for me, I handled my stress. I have anxiety and depression and I handled it through exercise and playing rugby, you know, and now mm -hmm. doing different types of workouts and just sharing that experience with them. I've seen I have seen them participate more. They're a little bit less stressed. Um, they, there is, there's definitely the surface stuff where they've lost weight. They're eating a little bit better, but you know, when they retire, they get super sick and die pretty quickly. So my end, my goal for them is to have a great career retire and then maybe have another career doing something else. So it is pretty, it's, it's magnified. I think now that we're paying more attention to it, it's everywhere for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the um, like the fire academy does at least in Connecticut does a really good job setting up the physical fitness component, trying to make it part of the lifestyle um, with the variety that you're talking about yeah. um, at the beginning of the career. But what's important too, and I, I love that you're bringing this point up, is that um, we want to see people move into the retirement years, you know, in a healthy way and be able to enjoy the, that time, um, you know, not not be an illness or or injury, but to actually have some wonderful. Um, you know, retirement time once they've finished that career. Absolutely. And there's a lot of underlying issues that like alcoholism, um, mm -hmm. that's huge, that is being ignored. It's a huge elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm very open with it. I've been sober myself for 18 years. So being able to say to people, look, I get it. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's hard, you know, but, um, it's everywhere. And, um, I think that's a huge issue that, and also like, um, I know they're not sleeping, you know, and there's just yeah. so much that we're trying to address, you know? Um, well, let's dovetail into this question then, um, which is something I know that you're as much interested in as I am, which is what are some ideas that we can use or think about in terms of changing the firefighter mm -hmm. leadership, because could apply to police EMS as well, the leadership and mm -hmm. also the culture. Um, what could we, look to change that would start to instill better wellness and fitness in, in those uh, professions? I think also um, EMTs and police are different animals, but it does fit the bill exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to start treating them that we're all in the same playing field. I know cops, I would love to work with cops, but they don't, 
there's, it has to come from the top. If the chiefs don't like it or the lieutenants, if they're not into it, it's not going to be a thing. Same thing in fire. Um, they have to have full support. And what I've noticed is when they get promoted to lieutenant, their workouts are a little less. Maybe their belts get a little fuller. When they're chiefs and captains, um, they're not as involved, but they're still involved. But then there's this space, and I don't know the answer to it. I'd like to talk to more number one, twos, and threes about it, is what happens when they've become so focused about overall health and wellness? Where is that piece where many of them at the top, not all of them, many, it's not that they don't care about their men and, and women. That's not it at all. It's just health and wellness should be done on their own time. And I get that train of thought. Absolutely. It's a thought that used to work. And we're seeing now with research that that's no longer what works. What happened? You know, like, what am I missing? So I think the conversations, there are many chiefs, like, um, you know, like Dennis McCarthy is a big, everyone, mm -hmm. like, he will discuss it till he, he loves health and yeah. wellness. It saved his, you know, he'll talk about it. Yeah. And um, there are many chiefs who are leading the way. And then there are those that are just so focused on other things that are just as important. I'm not saying one's not. So there is that missing piece. And I don't right. want to be like, you need to support exercise more because I don't right. know what I don't know. You know, like, And I'd love to have more conversations on that level. Um, but I think you're right to, the, to that point. You know, if you get one chief who says, hey, guys, why don't you hold yoga downstairs once a week or Pilates or yeah. whatever it is that you want to do? That's a culture change right there. 100%. Right, the chief giving permission. So I don't think they always realize how much power they have in this avenue. Exactly. And I think some of the stuff I teach in executive classes and is like, what is your mission statement? What's your vision and values in your department? And does that match in all of the areas that you think are important to your fire department? And there's that surface walk, uh, they'll talk the talk. And then I'm like, no, no, you know, that's when you have to have that hard conversation. You're talking a beautiful game. I need some action. Show me and work. You know, don't tell me, don't tell me about it. Show me. And other things get in the way. And, and I appreciate that. But because I, I don't know what it's like to be a fire chief, but hmm. there, I would just love to know what am I, there's something missing that I'm not getting, you know? Sure. Yeah. And there's subcultures like within fire departments, each shift may have their own kind of workout, you know, style or yeah, routine. Yes. Um, I've seen officers who said, um, you know, department I worked ran two ambulances and they mm. would set it up so that for one hour, one ambulance would cover all the calls and the other ambulance could work out and then they'd yep. flip it. Um, and that was just a shift uh, decision, but supported by the chief. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, but it made it possible in that culture, that subculture to create mm -hmm. a workout environment that people could feel like I have time, you know, I can do it. Yeah, right. Fairfield County Trauma Response Team is a nonprofit alliance of mental health professionals dedicated to helping first responders heal from trauma, tragedy, and stress. We help as they manage community crises and the everyday demands of ensuring public health and safety. Established in 2011, FCTRT was formed in response to a call for emotional help from the Stamford Fire Department after a traumatic fatal fire. Less than a year later, the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting occurred, and members again served the first responder community. Most recently, COVID-19 created a need for our support. We provide free educational presentations, 
pro bono sessions to deal with community disasters, and an extensive referral service to trauma-informed psychotherapists. If you're a responder in Fairfield County and need help dealing with duty-related stress, please reach out to us so you can continue to do the job you love. Visit our website at fctrt.org or find us on Instagram at Fairfield County TRT. Well, that kind of dovetails into the next question. That's an incentive, right? Yeah. For them to have that hour of time given back to them to take care of themselves. I was wondering what other incentives that you're seeing in departments, Sarah? So Westport, Connecticut is Westport, Connecticut, because it's very well run. And this is this was the very first program um, that I started in. And they started with an AIG grant. And they were able to do something called the Master Firefighter, where each firefighter um, is um, eligible to get X amount of money. If they participate in certain workouts, they test every year. Um, and that's something that has, it's taken about 15, 20 years. No, it's 20 years. I got to get over it. It's 20 years. <laughs> it's been going on. And, um, and they have a financial stipend, which is above and beyond. Um, Wilton too has similar, um, and I'm trying to get it. So I think financial speaks really well in the fire service. Um, I think that if they could get uh, vacation days, you know, things like that would be great. Um, incentives such as like, oh, you know, you can get a new pair of sneakers or that, you know, these guys, men and women have 16 jobs, you know, 300 children and they have to do, you know, daddy daycare. So it's money. Money speaks to them or time off with their family that's paid. And it works. And you can, the thing that's important that I've learned in these 20 something years is that um, you have to watch out for your verbiage, how you say it in a union contract. Because what I say today can in 2028 bite them in the butt. So there is legal verbiage that you can put in a union contract that will make it so that they are no longer held accountable for things they did 10 years ago. It's just taking that time. It's hard, but that's why having a third party is helpful. I've done it. Let me show you. Um, but everywhere else, so I teach everywhere else, you know, in the United States, they're not really bound by unions the way East Coast is, you know, and so they're right to work. So I can say you have to do 1000 burpees, especially in California, you know, and they have to, that's why they look like that because <laughs> they have to. <laughs> well, that and all that beach time, you know, you yeah. have to be looking for the <laughs> beach. nothing out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's touch on the workout piece a little bit then. So, sure. um, you know, do you talk about a balance between aerobic and strength training? And is there like an optimal combination yes. of the two? Yes. So no matter what anyone tells you, <laughs> all the research points to um, hit intervals are the number one most supported physiological workout for firefighters, first responders. Because and that's high, you, in, high intensity training. Thank you. Yes. Yep. High intensity interval training. Interval training. And you have a bottle that's either, I don't know if they still do 30 minute bottles or 45 minute bottles. And it depends. So, yeah. It, it varies like by the, department. Right. So it depends on also how is it a 10 minute stint or is it a 20, 30 minute stint that you can get out of your bottle doing the most amount of work under the worst conditions? 
So hit intervals have found to be the most successful to the worst case scenario on the fire ground. But then they're also successful for if you're an EMT, EMS, paramedic, doing hit intervals again, because you have these moments where you're under all this strain and stress, and then you have to be cognitive, and then you have to think what medication, et cetera, if you're a paramedic. So hit intervals are the best. Um, however, if I'm going to tell you, put all your gear on and do 50 push-ups, to say one thing will work for all people is wrong, is incorrect. And mm. as a physiologist who has studied for over eight years of exercise performance as firefighters, if I was to say that I would get lost, like they would kick me out of all my programs. I see it everywhere on the Instagram. Just because it's on Instagram doesn't mean it works. You know, it's there's legit science, but I'm sorry, I get so angry. <laughs> I just look every day, I'm like, what formula are you using to prove the VO2 so there are, it's super, it's much easier than Instagram tells you it is. Um, but if you never worked out and you were somebody that really wants to throwing a ladder, like without gear on, do your firefighter stuff. If you're on the engine, do engine stuff. If you're on the so track, functional, functional stuff. training. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. Yes. So this might be the golden ticket question, but how do you motivate firefighters? Like what are the, the tools and ways you've found to really motivate them to start thinking about this and to maintain it? Um, because um, you did describe a wide array of firefighters, right? Yeah. Coming into it with different health levels for many reasons. So there's different comparisons. So if a, if a chief has said, I want you just to talk to everybody, I'm going to say, okay, we're going to do an assessment. And mm -hmm. there's baseline assessments you can do. Um, in laboratory settings or field settings. So I would take something in the field, like an FMS, it's called functional movement screen. I have a body fat machine. Um, I have a VO2 machine where they put on, you know, there's all these different assessments or I keep it simple. How many pushups can you do? Can you do a plank today? Um, can you run a mile? No, all right, can you, you know, and reading the room. But if I need to be clinical, I can be. And again, the NFPA has those 13, you know, firefighter movements that you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. So if that's where I'll start, if they're going to give me, you know, well, you need to be as clear as possible. I'll use that and say, can you crawl? Can you, you know, all those different mm -hmm. movements. And then looking at the room, like looking at each group by being able to say, well, we know. And, and trying to understand that some guys like to work together and some don't. And, and being mindful of that. So that's literally the secret sauce is just listening to the person in front of you. I have men that work with me. I have other women that work for me too. So, you know, I try to keep it, you know, so I have six people that work for me and I throw them all over the place and that keeps them motivated as well. Shiny, something new. <laughs> exactly. And um, so how about if, you know, if someone is not, able to make it to the gym. They're not at the firehouse where they have a gym. Um, mm. What kind of things can people do, responders in particular, what kind of things can responders do at home or if they're on the road? What, what kind of, how can they continue their fitness? Yeah. There was a gentleman at the Connecticut Fire Academy named Bill DeFort, who has recently passed away. Mm -hmm. And he was somebody that I know some people had a hard time with, but I loved the way he fought for firefighters. I saw him on the research end and how hard he worked for his, his people. And in a way that most people would back down, he did not. Hmm. And um, he always said, you don't need anything. You know, like he'll say, do five push-ups in an hour or do squats or do some stairs or 
you know, and that's the other thing too. You don't need any equipment. If you're a department that doesn't have any money, that's okay. You can put your pack on, you can throw a ladder, you can run. There's so many other things you can do. And I will say Instagram is good for that, <laughs> but you know, know where, what level you're at, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I was I was blessed to be in an academy class uh, with Bill DeFord oh. as one of the lead instructors, and he was incredibly innovative and motivating um, in so many was. ways. Uh, and but he would literally come up with workouts where he put out folding chairs, you know, and he was, yeah. um, you know, he can make that like the center of a workout yes. um, or an air pack, you know, just raising air packs over your head. So, um, yeah, you just have to be creative. But I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, there's really no excuse to not be able to work out in literally any situation and you signed up for a job that's physical nobody's Mm -hmm. you know saying anything else you chose a job that is hard on your body so how can we make you do it in a way where you like it right and to circle back we are it's not only for us but it's for our brothers and sisters who are Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. responding alongside of us um, because we never know when we're going to need to be there to help them Um, and it's also for our family so that we're healthy and you know able to be there for them as well. So absolutely. Um, I mean, and also there's a thing I'd love to talk about quickly. I know I could go on and on, but we do have lots of men and women who are in the service mm-hmm. and who were not handled well after the service. Many right. have that issue. And to be respectful and mindful of that is important to me as well. You know, mm-hmm. being the child of someone that came back from mm-hmm. Vietnam a little so who didn't live longer than 53 years old. And so, you know, it's, it's a detriment and it's just, they don't always know or want to ask for help and they don't know how to ask for help too. So that's something that is very important to me. Um, I work with a gentleman in Westport, his name is Pete Niccio. And he and I tried, this was before you guys were more, this is a few years ago. We're like, we need to talk to people. And we're, we called ourselves Project Green. And just before we, you know, and then I know now I've taken an active role back because you guys are doing everything. And because there, there weren't people talking about the, the mental, the cognitive mental piece. Mm-hmm. And it needed, it was, and I was seeing it happen terribly. And it need, I don't care that I'm, I, at one point I was like, I don't care if I'm a therapist. I need to yell from the top of this building. These men and women are hurting. You yeah. need to pay attention, you know, yeah. and now you guys are. So, I mean, I think you guys have been all along. Now you're just more, mm-hmm. you know, now you're more supported by the higher ups. And Well, also we're in a pandemic of mental health right now. Exactly. And I think all of us in the first responder profession realize that or people mm-hmm. who work with first responders see that. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID really took its toll on our population, you know, the amount Absolutely. of calls, um, mm-hmm. the amount of work people have been doing. So I would imagine you've had to be really creative in, in working around some of that, you know, and it's hard when you work with someone who's on for a 24 hour shift and they're tired, yeah. you know, you might only have a little to work with. Um, so I, your work is just so valuable, Sarah, and you have a wonderful, wonderful reputation everywhere. I, I only hear wonderful things, and we need more of this in the world. Thank you. That means so much. That's so nice. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know how to take compliments, so I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you just did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
our mission at Responder Wellness, Inc. is to subsidize or provide free of charge safety equipment and wellness services to first responders, including police officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, and 911 operators throughout Connecticut. Resources include scholarships to train new EMTs, a responder and veteran-only AA group in Danbury, Connecticut, as well as police vests, a fire and EMS boot program, yoga classes, gym memberships, and t-shirts. The founder of Responder Wellness, Inc. co-leads a peer support group sponsored by Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. Responder Wellness, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3. Find us on the web at responderwellness.org, on Facebook at Responder Wellness, Inc., or email us, responderwellness at gmail.com. Responder Wellness, Inc., putting responders first. So much more we'll get get into. And I, I do want to make sure we talk about this. Um, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the uh, International Firefighter Cancer Foundation? So Cindy L, who is a certified health coach, um, she's a firefighter cancer advocate. She has, I met her randomly. I think we found each other on LinkedIn and she really has, she was um, working in a fire department as a volunteer and was so passionate. She was seeing so many people die of cancer and nobody addressing it. Hmm. And years ago she reached out and um, let me come to Texas to the IAFC with her. And we only worked together briefly. Um, I know she's very busy. Um, She had a couple of physiologists in California that were helping her out. Um, But she is somebody that wanted to, because we, there's the firefighter cancer foundation and she wanted to be along with them. I mean, there's room enough for all of us. Right. So um, just to help them. I mean, there's so much information that needs to go out there. So um, when it comes to the cancer portion at this moment, um, because of COVID, we lost touch, you know, so I'd love to get back into that with her. So as we wrap up any other topics or thoughts you have that you'd like to share? I think peer support is a big one, you know, to give Fairfield County uh, trauma. Trauma response team. Thank you. They have been, you know, Bonnie and and Dawn, and they have been huge. I think now we have more organized peer support teams than before. I know I had to put my foot in it. And now, like I said, I'm taking a step out because they don't need me anymore to be loud and obnoxious. (laughs) But I will fight for that for them because as it's very near and dear to my heart, their, their mental health and wellness is my number one priority, whether it looks like exercise, fitness, or just laughing and them sitting in a room saying dumb stuff to one another, you know, whatever that looks like. I think peer support is under still, you know, as it's becoming more and more, it's not just a fad. It's not just a new shiny object. It's something that we really need to address. And I love addressing it with health and fitness and exercise because that speaks to me. Um, But, you know, having you guys is huge. And Bernie is a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Love Bernie. Even when he yells at me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the shout out for the team. Oh, anytime. Um, You know, what we do is just, it's out of pure love and passion. I know. It's real too. It's real. Like they're not just, as many people want to serve fire because they pay well, you know, to certain companies. And that's not what you guys are about. No, 
Not at all. We don't even get paid. Everything's volunteer. (laughs) Yeah. So you're the real deal. Sarah, how can people find you out there uh, on the internet and social media? I'm working on it, but on my internet, I'm trying to get a, um, because I'm a nineties girl, I'm trying to get somebody to do my, (laughs) my uh, social media stuff, but I I do have an Instagram. It is, it's so long because my other one got crashed. We have it up on the screen. <laughs> Thank you. First, yes. It's like, who names them that? But my other one, somebody hacked into it. It's for, And my um, e- my website is firstresponsehealthwellness.com. Um, and you can, I'm on Instagram more than anything else. And mm-hmm. e- I'm always willing to help. Even I don't, if you just need to talk about how to organize something for your departments, I'd love to help. So glad that we had you on and, Again, I'm going to focus on the fire, uh, the fire service. But um, what we do is is kind of crazy, right? Um, uh, yeah. You know, zero to 100 miles an hour in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, you know, with 80 pounds of of weight, and uh, you know, and wearing an oven mitt. Freezing cold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, we need more of what you do. Uh, it is so important. And thank you for doing doing what you do so well. Thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks, Tara. And I smell a part two. And next time, it would be Ooh. great to have you bring one of the chiefs from one of your supporting <gasps> departments. I would so love it. Oh my gosh, it'd be great. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Really. Thank you. Cool. Take care. Uh, All right. You too. Thanks. As we close, please uh, remember to like and subscribe. Our YouTube channel is Responder Resilience. Our Facebook presence is on responder wellness inc we're also on bbsradio.com apple Podcasts, spotify and our website is responder tv.com so until the next time stay safe be kind to yourself we'll see you next time bye-bye thank you, thank you. <laughs>